I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. I just sort of looked around my bench, spotted them, thought, and my mind, my mind drift went, oh, oh yeah, I've got those crisps. Oh, go on then, I'll do that. And I just sat myself down on the on the stool, rest my legs because you've been on the legs a few, you know, your feet a few hours, and sort of munched them. Well, hello and welcome back to the Bake Down podcast. It is the voice of Josh Landy, founder of Bake with a Legend. Thank you so much for joining us here today. I thought given that we're in lockdown, it would be a nice opportunity for me to catch up with some of the bakers who lead our classes all around the country. And I was really delighted that Karen Wright, a very memorable and lovely character from Series 9, was able to join myself for about 45 minutes to catch up on her story of how she got onto the show and her baking history. And actually, her story is quite unusual compared to many of the other bakers. So I do hope you'll enjoy listening to it and do let me know any feedback you can get in touch with us. It's the bakedown at bakewithalegend.com if you do have any feedback or any questions. Um, I'm hoping to speak to more of the bakers in the weeks and I fear months ahead that we are in lockdown, but we'll see how that goes. I also wanted to let you know that whilst we're in lockdown, we're of course not running any events in person, but we are able to do events online and we've had great fun with some of the bakers leading classes for people all across the world, friends getting together, um, work makes, people celebrating birthdays. So if you're hoping to do something just a little bit different whilst we're in this period of lockdown, um, we do have the opportunity to put on events and classes for you so just head to bakewithalegend.com and you'll see a tab that says online classes and if you want any more information you can of course get in touch with us so we hope to potentially see some of you online um, meanwhile I had the real enjoyment of catching up with Karen Wright as I said a real star from series nine we heard all about her journey before Bake Off and her experiences in the tent and before we got going, I asked Karen how she's coping during lockdown. I've been doing exactly what the instructions are to everybody that isn't in the sort of front line, which is to stay home and stay safe. And, and, and I follow the rules. Um, but I, I have got involved with a local group that are providing food parcels and meals for the people in the community that just have nobody to help them um they're shielding and are they're very old and isolated vulnerable so i'm i'm cooking pretty much every day either cooking or baking and that's keeping me really really busy and it's stretching me and be, it's a bit like um, you know the old program ready steady cook where you have to make something out of random ingredients Yes, well, because people are donating the food, we have to come up with something suitable from the from the ingredients we've been given. So it's great, really. I'm enjoying that. Oh, well, absolute credit to you for for doing that, Karen. I've seen some of that on your on your social yeah. on your social media. Well, so Karen, we've we've got probably however long we've got now, 35, 40 minutes. I'm thinking to to just look back. I want I want to learn a little bit more about you and talk about your experiences whilst you were on Bake Off. And I, I guess my first question is. 
what we must be coming up to what two years since you're filming something like nearly two years does it feel that long ago or does it feel like you were in the tent you know a couple of weeks back almost? oh it's a bit of a paradox that question actually because in some respects it feels as real as if it was happening only last weekend I can picture everything and feel everything and smell everything and Oh, it's very, very, very intense. The, the 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 memories are very recent. But yeah, it's it is actually two years about about now that we went um, and started filming week one. Unbelievable, two whole years. Um, yeah. So. So just just you know, two years of age. Just just give us some insight then, because I know some uh, people that have been on on Bake Off had had applied more than once. Had you applied in previous years or what was your experience of the application? No, I think my my situation is probably quite unique um, in that I I wasn't particularly very experienced baker in some respects because although I baked bits and bobs all my life, I've never really sort of veered off the straight and narrow in terms of experimenting with with more um, unusual bakes really but I did get into making a lot of sort of party novelty cakes for my family and friends kids and that and everybody started to say to me oh that's really good Karen you know you should go on the bake-off I never give it a second thought but my daughter sent me the link to the application form she did that and I took a look at it and I nearly didn't bother because I could see that at that point I, I hadn't got the the right skills but I just thought to myself, well, I've got about two months before the application deadline closes. I wonder if it's possible. Is it possible to teach yourself the stuff you need to know to genuinely be good enough to get on the show? And I just set to and I, I did like a bread week and then I did a pastry week and I, I went through all the disciplines and um, it pretty much turned out OK. So I, I, in for a penny, in for a pound, I, I just popped my application in and. I think it was a very good application. I think I sold myself quite well. Um, but I really didn't expect to get the call. But I did get the call. Yeah. It was absolutely amazing that that happened to me. Look, I, I think you have to say you did far better than in for a penny for a pound. You, you made it onto the show. You made it through through five weeks. I think you're being very humble there. Uh, well, but that is unusual. It is unusual because you think and, and you kind of see the backstories, don't you, sometimes of the people that come on the show in the snippets that, you know, from baking at home. And you almost get the feeling that this has been, you know, destiny. I think it was Luke in your series who who made a comment in the, the first episode of your series. And he said, this is in effect for a football fan playing at Wembley. And that's something you think of like being a life's yeah. ambition. But for you, it, was a, it wasn't like that. Yeah, I, I'd always watched the show right from the outset. Um, and I was fascinated by the the idea of it and the concept and as it grew and people got it's it's become an iconic show hasn't it it really has um so i, I mean I, I want obviously i wanted to ha to, to get into that tent I, who wouldn't want to have that experience but i, I couldn't I, really it, to me yes luke was right i remember him saying that i remember him saying that and um yeah so no i wasn't i hadn't been a massively massive baker for all of my life but I was fascinated by the show and it, that it intrigued me enough to see whether I could do this, you know, get the, get the skills that I was required to have. And, and I think really, if I've got a message for anybody, and I might be jumping the gun here a little bit, but I'll say it now while it occurs to me, that my my journey is is quite unusual. And I taught myself from scratch all those things I needed to do to get a place one of the 12 places on the show and I didn't know until I tried that it was possible and it is and that any, anybody should have a goal not necessarily baking in whatever sphere that they might have an inkling that they'd like to try well try it and what what better time than now when we're we're all stuck at home should try new things absolutely right but then just just to pick up on something you said you, you'd watch the show had you watched every series like every episode you or did you then once you knew you were going to be on the show sort of go back and look through old episodes and I did both like I mean I had I'd, when the series first started um I was actually working every season I was working in France with my husband John and we did have a satellite dish so we could get telly and we'd, we hadn't got much more entertainment so when the Great British Bake Off started this was the highlight of my Tuesday evening every week um so yes I'd watched pretty much all of all of all of the uh, series but we, yeah when I got my place 
Oh, yeah, I was looking back and seeing and scaring myself to death. <laughs> Can you imagine when you think I'm going in there? I mean, it's surreal. It really is. It is surreal. And, you know, it's only a baking show, but it's the baking. It is. It's more than that. I think it's more than that for people. So John would have known you were going in. Did anyone else know? Or because I was just supposed to keep yeah, it a secret um, pretty much. It was a, yes, of course. Um, it has to be kept a secret because it would spoil it. It would really spoil it for, for the public um, to get a leak uh, in any way about who, who because the build-up isn't the momentum. Who is the bakers this year? Could it be, could you be sitting next to them on the train going to work? It's some, somebody out there and everything. So as soon as you got the call to say that you were successful, then obviously you get a contract and what have you. Um, but you have to be able to tell a few people because, you know, you, you're a human being and it wouldn't be possible to, to to do all the work you have to do at home. So I told my husband and my, I've got two adult daughters um, and my cousin and I think there was five of us knew and they were very supportive, of course. And I, I never told my mum. I didn't tell my mum until the night before we were announced to the press. Because wow. I know. Um, so she couldn't, she didn't, we, we could have people come to the final, you know, for the final filming. Um, I couldn't risk it with poor mum. Because, you know, I had to be 100% sure that people could keep that secret. And it's such a big secret to keep. It's, I'd, I'd hate to have that burden. I really would. So you're saying your mum found out the day before your filming started, not before yes. the day it was on air. Not, so not, she knew not before, once you were in the process. The day it was announced to the Radio Times. So it was like the towards the end of August. Um, when the news when the papers come out, the TV papers come out for the following week. Yeah. That is when obviously the Radio Times, TV Times, and everything would have the listings. You'd already done all your filming. Yeah, all the filming was done, all in the bag. Yeah. Um, and everything, and. Yeah, so it's a big, that's the thing, isn't it? You're waiting now. It's all finished, you know, all done with, and you're waiting for it to air. And it's building up the tension within the bakers, of course. You know, it's, oh, it's, you know, it's going to go out there soon. And uh, that is when I, I, I told my mum the night before she would hear it from anywhere else, basically. There, there was a lot of talk, actually, just, you know, thinking back to the podcast, Jane, uh, Howard and I did ahead of Series 10 that the average age w- was very low of the bakers. I think it was 31 in, in last year's. Your series, the average age, I did some maths just before we started this, was was 33. Were you, were you conscious of that? And Because what, one other thing is that the last five winners now have all been in their 30s going into the show. Were you, were you at all conscious of that or, you know, of the feeling that, you know, there was a, a real mix of people that had been picked and, and you were the the eldest person going in were you conscious very, of that at all? I was very pleased to be the eldest person uh, I, it's strange you should say that about yourself and age but I I just I just thought I'm the oldest this year isn't that great you know yeah it never really made any impact on me really because we were we just all did get on really well when we when, you know I, I'm quite I'm quite easy with young people and I don't feel that I'm an oldie um so yeah it was just absolutely fine i mean terry and i so i mean we're really good friends terry and i um now and we sort of did gravitate towards each other perhaps more than any of the others although we were good as a group but he and i would find that we're sitting you know in the hotel in the evening having a drink together and chatting and things um so that might be an age thing eh he was i think 56 and i was 60 at the time then going down was my john he was the next one. And then, yeah, like you say, they were all um, 20s and 30s. Did we have anybody in the 20s? Yes. Kim Joy. Yeah, but t- late Joy, 20s. We didn't have any and, really, and really young youngsters. No, which which we have had in uh, in previous series. Yeah. So we had Kim Joy and, and Ruby. So just just give us some idea. You, you've gone down. You've taught yourself a huge amount in the two months before. Did you start to think, I've got a chance here or were you just like wow when you started to talk to all the other people because you like oh my god these people are really like their whole lives uh, have been yeah a bit, bit varied on that I must admit um when we first met um as a group in the hotel in the afternoon I could see how intense some of the bakers were uh, about their their craft really and they were so knowledgeable about so many different techniques some of which I had never come across before in my little crash course. 
Um, I, I do remember isomalt. Ruby used isomalt in the um, in spice week to make on her chandelier biscuit, I think. And I remember at the time, actually in the tent, thinking, "What isomalt? What is it?" And I was still trying. I was trying to melt sugar down to make my glass shards. <laughs> and there was a new kid on the block that I'd not even heard of. So I think that's just an example of of how I hadn't really picked up on it on, on all the new trends and things techniques. Um, after week one, when we'd done the biscuit week, which I was pleased with my first week, I have to say, I, I liked what I did. It worked as I expected it to do. I didn't do too badly in the uh, in the technical for that one. But I could see the level of skill in, uh, with the other bakers. And I must admit, when I came home from week one, having successfully got through to week two, which was going to be cake week, I... And it was going to be chocolate collar cake week. And uh, this, of course, was something that I had I'd never done a chocolate collar before. Not even in my practice. I'd never done a chocolate collar before, you know, in practice to get onto the show. So I'd got my idea of what my chocolate collar two tier cake was going to be. But it was very, very plain at, at this point. And after biscuit week, I thought I'm going to have to up my game here. I'm going to have to do something and pull something out of the bag with my chocolate collar to bring it up to be a, a showstopper which it turned out to be actually um so yeah i spent hours and hours in the middle of the night when we came home between week one and week two sort of re recrafting my design um because i could see that you know i needed to do something to stay in yeah because the standard would be so high now, do, mm. do you remember what your first words were on bake-off because i I, I was watching your your first episode last night, which just before we started recording, you told me you've never watched it back apart from presumably the night it was on air. That's right. Never. So do you remember what your first words were? I have no idea. Tell me. Your first your first words were, I believe I'm going to be good under pressure. So my question <laughs> is, were you, Karen? Do you think you did well under the pressure generally? Generally, generally, I think I did. Um, there was a couple of a, a couple of occasions when I was despairing and uh, uh, thought that I couldn't uh, continue because, you know, I just didn't really I wasn't keeping up to speed with, with, with the task in hand. In general, I did. But a couple of things um, nearly threw me and I was helped by the production, uh, one of the producers to sort of quiet myself and to sort of steady on it's a bit like getting somebody to breathe in the uh, in the paper bag <laughs> situation um and and i pulled it out i mean i think i'm talking about uh week four when we had to do a chocolate melting dome and uh i had done so badly in the earlier uh, in the signature and come last <laughs> in the in the technical that i thought oh the writing's on the wall I'm going home and and thinking and there was going to be the double eviction that week so we thought and I thought well that's me gone I'm gone I'm gone and I just thought how can I do this when I know it's like I felt like I was walking to the gallows and I knew I had to perform yet I was still going to be strung up but I was helped by people off off camera to say come on come on you know focus and everything and I suddenly pulled it pulled the strength back to really and my showstopper was fantastic it saved the day I think for me it was really good and I, I think I think it, it taught me a lot about myself um really by putting myself under such a, an immense amount of pressure that you know if you have to you can you can hang in there by your fingernails really so it's been a great learning curve from that point of view it sounds like it. I mean, one thing else I noticed from watching that first episode is you had a massive smile on your face every time they, they come to you. You really, you really did. But they, they, did you, you were put right at the front bench, weren't you, for week one? Did you, because like, that is something, because that means you've got to turn around to see what else is going on. Whereas if you're sort of towards the back, I can imagine you get a bit more of a feel for how everyone's doing and if everyone's sort of stressed or not. You were right at the front. I was. Yes. Um, well, I, I, I mean, I, I didn't obviously had no idea what, what was going to happen to us um, that first first week. You wouldn't, would you? Who knows? And you go in and the, my name was on that first bench. And I, I, I'm glad, actually, that that first week I wasn't at the back because I think sometimes as the weeks progressed and I, I was sitting further back, I 
found it not an advantage to see what people were doing. It's a bit, it put me off a bit, especially when I wasn't feeling, as, mine was going very well, and sort of, i.e. the isomalt with Ruby in front of me, doing this amazing um, construction. And I, I mean, mine was fine in the end, but I was, you know, it makes you question yourself when you can see other people at work. Whereas at the front, uh, especially week one, I felt really, really well prepared for week one. I felt I'd got everything under control and I built an insurance time, hence, I don't know whether you're going to mention the crisp gate at some point. Probably you are, <laughs> <laughs> but that is that 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 happened because I had built in in the practice at home. I'd built in insurance time, in the sure and certain knowledge that something would go wrong because it always does on Bake Off, doesn't it? And I'd got this ten minutes built into my practice, and it didn't go wrong. My biscuit selfie worked perfectly. I was very happy with the results of it. And I finished 10 minutes or so, maybe five, I don't know, uh, before the end. And it was great. So I felt really relaxed in actual, because I couldn't see what was going on behind me, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah, it's so interesting. And, and yes, you're right. It was very much going to be my next question, because there are iconic moments of, of Bake Off that people, will, fans of the show will always remember. And you sitting there almost without a care in the world in a program where without fail, every episode is people running around stressed, looking like they're desperately trying to get things finished before the time is up. But what was it really five, ten minutes you had? And and how does it go? I mean, are you allowed to bring in snacks that you had? I, uh -huh. I noticed, I think it was Walker Squares. Are they a big favourite of yours? Well, uh, well, um, they are now. <laughs> so. First question, are we allowed to bring snacks in? Because you're in, in the tent for such a long time and it's a very long day and obviously you do get lunch, but it can be quite late in the day. Um, so you were asked beforehand um, what sort of, they could say, what would you like in your snack box? So some people would choose chocolate bars. Some people would be healthy and have fruit, whatever, you know. And I just said, I love crisps. I'm savoury. I'm a savoury person. Um, so I got a little Tupperware provided with whatever they put in there and it turned out to be on that particular occasion salt and vinegar um squares yeah so they were tucked on under the box underneath the bench i finished a few minutes well you know a few minutes in front of everybody else and i remember i, re I do remember very clearly the re relief in my body my whole body when i put that biscuit soapy to the end i thought it was literally exhale <sighs> Ah, I've done it and I like it. It's fine. Ooh, I don't feel worried. I don't feel worried. I hadn't seen anybody else's but at this point, but I didn't feel worried. And um, I just sort of looked around my bench, spotted them, thought, and my mind, my mind drift went, oh, oh yeah, I've got those crisps. Oh, go on, then I'll do that. And I just sat myself down on the on the stool, rest my legs, because you've been on the legs a few, you know, your feet a few hours, and sort of munched them. And it looks terrible, doesn't it? Don't you think it looks really bad um, no. when I saw it? Oh, you're conscious because it, it looked. There's a camera clearly on you, and you're looking back at the camera. So were you were you thinking? I wonder if that's going to make the edit because you have a few months before it goes on air. Did you remember, or it wasn't until I, you watched I episode uh, one? I, I remember because remember it was week one, so I was bemused by the the number of cameras everywhere. You know, they're they're absolutely everywhere. So. Although I realised they were pointing in my direction, I never gave it another thought. It really didn't uh, occur to me that that would be of any, any interest to anybody. <laughs> and, and of course, and they, it was it was shown in the in the week up to it being aired, they start putting clips on the telly, and I remember that clip going out, and my husband said because we fell out about it actually. I, I watched that little clip of me with the crisps, and my husband said, "Well, Karen, they haven't done you any favours there." And I went, well, I thought it was quite funny, John, that it looks, I, know, I, I, I thought on screen it looked quite funny and I could see the entertainment value of it. Um, and of course, people had differing views on me from that point. I know, I, know, I mean, I didn't pay too much attention to, to Twitter or anything, but I was aware that some people thought that I was game playing. Some people thought I was just like um, eccentric, I suppose. Uh, yeah. Oh, I think it came across, you know, like, well, it was obviously the way it was edited because you show someone very relaxed, eating some crisps, followed by 
I think it was Rahul possibly trying to do some feathering or something quite technical. It was down behind me. That the, the very the naughtiest part about it that, that I said and they filmed and and it wasn't preempted by me because I was t- completely like out of my normal life, wasn't I? In there and I was eating the crisps and I did turn round and look and Dan was behind me finishing his biscuit selfie with that baby he's got and um, he he was very pink in the cheeks and looked very flustered. And in and I, but I remember thinking there's no point in asking him if I can help him, because he's got like a minute, and and it, by the time he's told me what he wanted me to do, his minute would be up. So I knew not to help because it would distract him. But I did foolishly say, "Would you like a crisp?" <laughs> and uh, I thought, and he went, "I would not like a crisp." And that was shown on and they showed that on television. And I thought, oh, you know, that that was probably not the best thing to say. At the time. Yeah, but I, I think people would have would have seen it for what it was with, with the right intentions. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's no, there's no side to me, you know. What you see is what you get generally. But <laughs> yeah, it was. I, I mean, Crispgate. Yeah, that will. That has to probably be my favourite little clip out of the time. I'll have to look at it again now. Yeah, to watch it. So, Karen, you you had five weeks. Just, just I, I guess let's give an overarching reflection on them. I mean, just to start with, every year up to you, and you were a big fan of the show, you know, you'd, you'd watch all the way through, had started with cakes. And then suddenly, you know, for whatever reason, you started with biscuits and then week two was cakes. Were you were you sort of expecting cakes to be week one or you were happy to, to have a challenge on biscuits? I was, obviously, I was expecting, like everybody, it to be cakes again. But um, it didn't bother me in the slightest uh, because as soon as I saw the brief for the biscuits, which was week one, when it came through the same day that we've been told we were under show, they, they start giving you, um, you know, the things you've got to think about. And I liked it. It was if, for me, you know, sometimes you set a task and if you don't know how to start or what to do or what vision you've got, then that is a worry. And there were parts in, in later later episodes that I agonised um, when I saw the brief and thought, like, for example, Biscuit Chandelier in week five, that was the most challenging thing I read in my life. You will make a Biscuit Chandelier. But week one, Biscuit week, as soon as I saw it, I thought, I know what I'm going to do. And because it was Biscuit Selfie, I I know myself. I know what what how to portray me in colour and biscuit you know so I was quite delighted and, and the first one was um, a signature biscuit uh, not a signature um, a biscuit with a, a theme uh, regional, the place regional biscuit. yeah regional that was it yeah so I thought well yeah there's loads of those so I was quite quite happy very more than happy with the first week um, and I think that's probably why I went down with the, the confidence that I appeared to have because I'd really hadn't hadn't struggled to get the design the ideas of what I was going to do and I felt that I could bring it in on time because I practiced that so much and one one thing I'm very good at I have to say myself loads of things I'm not but one thing I'm good at is if somebody gives me a time to work to a deadline I'll bring it in I always have been able to um so I was confident with that the the biscuits were great I was more challenged by the cake week when when we saw that to be honest yeah that chocolate color And just obviously the, the technicals, which I guess is always a little bit more difficult in terms of, you know, realistically what, what preparation, you know, can be done. Mm-hmm. It You know, you, you're going to be presented with something you're not sure about. Because you, you came six in that first week, which is, a, you know, top half, a solid start. Did, that must have given you some confidence as well on the technical challenges. It did. I think I think um, that was a great thing to have happen because it was it was wagon wheels, wasn't it? And um, And it was a messy one. And there was lots of techniques in there. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I did okay, I did okay with that, and like you say, quite correctly, um, that that added to the fact that I felt that I was strong in strong enough anyway, um, in the in the design certainly on the biscuit selfie and and the regional for the signature. So yeah, I, I, a stroke of luck because it wasn't I wasn't good at technicals in general. <laughs> As it went down, I think I did five and I, was, I came last in three. I certainly seem to think. Uh, well, certainly yeah, week two when when it was cakes that was. Uh, you, oh, that you was a with shocker! It. Oh, that was absolutely that was one of the times I had the wobble. Yeah. Yeah, vert. That was the gatto vert. Who would make a spinach cake? Eh? Who would do that? Monet, Monet's garden. 
in Gavanay. Uh, yes, that was a terrible thing to see. And that was when I was at the back of the tent. So coming back to the question about positioning in the tent, the second week, I was the very last bench at the far uh, left, I think. And Anthony was in front of me. And this challenge, and and it was basically um uh, should have should have risked the 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 sugar and the eggs up to make it uh, the bulk, and I just had a I had just a mental block, I just couldn't understand the instructions, I just couldn't, and that awful awful sinking feeling when you just think oh no I do not know what to do I do not not don't know what to do and I was watching Anthony and I could see what he was doing and I couldn't even compute it in my head to to, to do the same um I mean I did come up with something but it was absolutely shocking and it deserved to be lost to be honest <laughs> yeah. and then but that was that was one of the examples when then you you got yourself dusted down and you came yes. back and yours was what the strawberry fair chocolate the strawberry cake, right? the strawberry fair I have to say um and, and the cameraman that you know the people that do the, the vox pop ones they always said to me Karen you can pull a showstopper off and and and, and I, I perhaps I can I'm a, I'm a I'm a quite a larger than life character and and I'm a bit I'm a bit of a performer I think you know, I quite like, you know, if somebody said, would you like to be on the West End in the chorus? I'd go, yes, bring it on, you know. So any anything that's OTT is is right up my street, really. And I, the, and this is the, that, that cake is the one that I'd gone home and practised and put all the piping on and decided to sing as well. I, I sang to Noel Fielding um, when he came around to talk to me. I sang Strawberry Fair. Uh, because that was what I was doing. So yeah, I really enjoyed that, and I did get myself out of the um, out of the mire with it. I loved that cake in the end, and Paul Hollywood did as well. In fact, he should have given me a handshake. I never got one, of course, but I, I think I was close for that cake. He said it was one of the best. You know, he really liked it anyway. So yeah, <laughs> is that what you look back on as you're most proud about of the sort of fifteen bakes you'd have done? Is that the one that stands out? Well, no. One of them. I mean, I, I love my Coravai. My Coravai in Bread Week. It was a beautiful thing. And I loved the fact that I gave it a veil because it was a, a, a Russian wedding bread. So it was three tiers. And um, yeah. and I was concerned when I was designing it that I wouldn't have and I didn't have time to do decorations all the way around the, the breads. So on the last, just as getting off to go to the train to go down to do the week, I was worried about this. So I popped into a, a fabric shop and I bought some chiffon and uh, a needle and cotton and a head and a headband that um, little girls wear. And on the train going down to uh, London, I, I fashioned a veil for my bride. <laughs> and I, I pulled it out of the, of, of the, my bench and um, I've got a picture somewhere. I saw it on online of me putting this veil on the on the bread and Noel Fielding stood at the side of me and he's saying to me are you getting married to this bread and I say well it's better looking than my husband <laughs> I've seen that as I was putting the bread on and I took it up for judging with the veil over its face if you know what I mean and then revealed yeah. it to prove um like that so that was quite dramatic as well I enjoyed that yeah, I did. That was, yeah, your French breakfast wedding, Coravar. That was that the done. one, the French breakfast wedding, uh, randomly, yes. Russian, Russian, um, a Russian lady meets a French man. That was the, because everything has to have a story, a backstory, doesn't it? I mean, yes. all your bakes. I didn't know this. You see, I didn't know. How would you know that all your bakes need to have a backstory? But that is a true one. The, the, I didn't make anything up. All my backstories were based on fact. I have to have to say that's uh, a fact. Is that? Yeah, my rush. Yeah, I'm, another pod, podcast. I'll tell that story. I'm <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay to do that. <laughs> um, and and you'd done okay in technical that week on the on the Narnbreds. You'd you'd come yeah. fifth. So yeah, you, that was okay. Confident. Because I must say, you know, those first three weeks you'd not been in danger really of going by the time we got towards you know the end of a show you'd been very stable and then week four desserts mm. and we had this strange situation obviously with with terry not being there when did you sort of realize he, he wasn't going to be there and that did you yeah. only really find out at the very end of that episode that no one would be going because you might have otherwise worried well that's it well the thing is about that um yeah we found out in the um the morning 
the production team said that we've called us together and said we've got something to tell you terry's been taken ill um is not going to make it um this week and they asked us all how we felt about that and and how we'd want to proceed or you know and we all just went we'll just go with whatever the production team want how they want to play it really um so then we started to that's when i got worried then because because i thought oh hang on a minute though if there's one less baker then the odds are stacked against us all more you know and uh I, I kept saying, but this this makes it more difficult, more more chance that we're going out on week four than there would have been with the extra person. But they went, well, that's just how it is. And then when I was having such a shocking start, that is why I thought I'd be going, you see, because I had such a bad, um, I mean, it wasn't terrible, but it certainly didn't hold, you know, it wasn't good. Um, the signature and then I came last in the blancmange can't believe that you know when they said Prue set the challenge and it uh, for the technical for, for week four and she said it's going to be um, a classic retro um, dessert and it's going to be a blancmange and I could hear the gasps from the other bakers because most of them had never heard of a blancmange of course me being the age I am the oldest person I knew full well what a blancmange was I thought hooray 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 you know <laughs> And do a blancmange and it didn't work out for me so after that I thought well you know that's the end I'm going home I'm my my days in the tent are, are now up because somebody's going and I'm at that point clearly I I would have gone um so that's when I had that wobble and I was upset and then I pulled myself together and I did the melting chocolate dome and who knows who would have gone that's the, that's one of those, you know, we never know now because, of course, Bryony, who went on to be a semi-finalist, she'd done the most spectacular melting chocolate dome. It was beautiful, but it collapsed before judging. She came yes. back. It was like a it was like a balloon that, you know, let the air out of it. And I mean, I felt for her because it had been so beautiful. And then I think it was Ruby's. Um, dome was only half a dome <laughs> and everything so you know you you look at it don't you and you could see it the tension was there that I knew it wasn't certain that I would go but I was definitely a contender to go by that time and then of course amazingly they didn't send anybody home after building up that I mean it was a real build-up for all of us because we knew somebody was going yes somebody's going and then they said no but it'll be two next week It'll be two next week. And of course, then, you know, it was Spice Week and this was the first ever Spice Week. So, you know, for you, as a, again, I've mentioned a, a big view of the show. You must have been expecting themes. Did you ever think about Spice? No, 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 well, not really. Um, I think it, it had never occurred to me. Um, and it was Spice. What what did they mean by Spice? Just, I mean, it, it's just putting some ginger in your cake, isn't it? Or putting some cinnamon or something like that one of those bakes but yeah when you first get that brief spice it may i couldn't i didn't know what to expect and it was simple and i you know what it was my final week and i i do feel that i was justified to go it was right enough that i should but i let myself down with that um with that first bake who shouldn't who who can't bake just a ginger sponge basically and do it right Karen can't she did it wrong she messed up and you know for that I hold my hand up um I, I was tricked <laughs> I'll say that with the nicest possible way I want I don't really mean it but what happened was I I decided it was it had to be a ginger a ginger cake and I, I designed this cake and I decided to use brandy in my in the frosting I was going to do cream cheese frosting like a brandy Alexander the cocktail that was the idea and so I'd got this half bottle of brandy on my bench and it was not again I mentioned Noel a lot but he figured because I liked him I like them all but he came around and he said what's this then and I said oh it's from a frosting and he just started saying oh you know Prue's very fond of a, a nip of brandy you know put more in put more in and he was only teasing me but of course I, I, I went I went a bit crazy and I put brandy into the mixture which I'd never done at home I put brandy into the into the frosting but I put so much in that it was just awful and then just like you put sherry on cherry trifle cake in your sponges I sprinkled neat brandy 
onto my sponges and put the whole lot together. And, you know, why did I do that to myself? I just went crazy. And um, Paul Hollywood basically said, you know, if it had been a brandy cake, fine, but it doesn't, it's not a brandy challenge, it's ginger. Uh-uh. I thought, oh, that's me. Yeah. Mm, so you think had no come round and just mentioned that it wouldn't have might have played on your mind in some way. Well, I think if Noel hadn't mentioned it, and he was only just joking, obviously having a laugh. But I because I because I'm a bit impulsive. My my daughters would tell me, and they warned me. They warned me to stay to task to stay with what I'd planned. And up to that point in this in the show, all the episodes that I was in, I had stuck to my recipes and not messed about and I just went OTT I just thought oh what you know it might be right it might be right let's make it more exciting let's put and you know so no matter what I did later because two people had to go I'd really written myself out of the out of the show I think on that and then I and then I came last again did I come last what did, what was it oh yes those 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 Middle Eastern biscuits <laughs> You're right. I mean, yourself and Terry were, I think, the bottom two in the technical. And, and by that point, then, you, you not for the first time, sort of did something, you know, about, you know, yourself or the region. You went for this Pontefract Girls' School reunion backstory of what you do. By the time you were making that showstopper, did you think, whatever I do here, I'm I'm in trouble? I think I think that's that. by the time we went back for day two, having having done day one and made a mess of everything, I had almost a, a sense of, um, I was quite relaxed about it. I wasn't anxious at all because I, you know when you know, and I knew no matter what I did, no matter, failing everybody else being terrible, but no matter what I did with my showstopper this time, it wasn't going to be enough. And I loved my showstopper because the showstopper is the one that gave me the biggest challenge I mentioned earlier, the brief. When you read the brief, it said, you will make a biscuit chandelier. And I looked at that on the email and I said to John, my home husband, oh, no, well, you know, John, just read this. I don't know what I mean. I don't understand how I can do this. You know, it's got to be so big. It's got to be so heavy, but it can't be so heavy. It's got to be so, so many things it could and couldn't be. And, it, and you know, structure wise. And it, it took an enormous effort between me and him and my two girls to to think outside the box, to get anything together, to be honest, that would hold up. So I knew I liked what I was doing for that chandelier. I knew I'd got a strong backstory, which is, again, a correct backstory. It used licorice uh, because that was what we grew in Pontefract back in the day. And lots of the colours on there, it was my signature colours being bright and bold. But I sort of knew that even if I pulled off the perfect one, it would never be enough. So I was ready. To, I was ready to go. I was. I knew it was the time. Um, and not without a few tears, obviously, that that we shed. But I, I wasn't upset in in the way that you might think you would be. What I think was also so memorable about you, Karen, was was your quote at the end where they come to you once you've learned that you're going to be, you know, leaving the tent, uh, and you said. Outside of having a family as a personal achievement, nothing will ever top this. And that was, you know, very moving. You obviously felt very proud of yourself having sort of got through half the process. I, 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 I did. I said that. With, I was very sincere when I said that. And of course, you don't know what you're going to say. You don't have a script. You just say from the heart what what what, what comes out comes out. And it, but it's true. I, I loved it. I felt I felt so privileged to to be given that opportunity. I loved everything about it, even the bad times, you know, but there were personal bad times. Nothing bad was done. But, you know, the times that I struggled, I, I gained so much from that. Um, even the age you are, you know, you think it's 60. It, but I'm learning like everybody does as you go through different experiences. So the privilege of being invited onto the show and getting halfway and just it was fabulous. I'd just do it again in a in in an instant I loved I wouldn't really change anything either um it's it was how it was and I loved every moment and I've got so much more from it two years down the line and I'm I'm doing things now that I would never ever have thought I could be could possibly do but I say to anybody if you've been in if you if you feel you can't do something for me if I feel I can't do something I think you've been in the tent 
you were in the tent. And I know it's not going to the moon or being an astronaut, but it's significant. It's a significant thing. And I've been there and I did it and managed all the challenges that were were given to me. And I came through at the other end and it, it's just wonderful. It really was. Yeah. And of great friends, you know, it's some more than others. I mean, Terry and I, um, we left together and we remain excellent friends. We speak most days. It's lovely. That is, that is fantastic. And yes, yeah, such a positive reflection on the process and uh, encouraging of others to do it. Well, we occasionally see you, Karen, at Bake with Legend classes, and, and we very much hope those are going to be back in the not so distant future. But you, you touched upon there, you know, opportunities that have come your way. Just just give us an idea. I know you do food festivals. You're very passionate about sort of, you know, traveling over to France, I think, in the caravan. Just give us an insight into what life yeah. has been like on the, on the other side of, of On the other side of Bake Off. Yes. Well, I will. I'm happy to happy to do that. After the, Initially, after Bake Off, I thought that perhaps uh, I would get an agent and I would be scooped up because, you know, because I, I thought I could I, I could do more and I would be a stepping stone. And it was very quiet initially, you know, and, and I didn't get an agent. So I, I, I spent about three days, two or three days moping, I think, about thinking, oh, well, that's that feeling a bit flat. And then as, as as I tried to do, I shook myself about a bit and thought, right, let's see what you can do. And I started approaching people by email because I'm not very good face to face. Nobody likes to be knocked back, but I found that nobody does. I emailed my local council. First thing, rhubarb. We've, I live in the rhubarb triangle and uh, we had a rhubarb festival and they said, yeah, come on, you know, come and do this. So I went and did that. Then I realised that my caravan and motorhome and camping life might be of interest to the caravan club. So I got in touch with them and said, I'm a member, but I've also been on the bake-off. What can we do together? So lo and behold, now I'm sort of almost an ambassador for them. I do all sorts of work for them. And then I was asked to be um, to write each week for my local paper. So I write for, write for my paper, which is lovely. I've got my own column. It's called The Right Side of Life. And when things were normal, I used to go to the BBC Radio Leeds once a month to do a foodie slot. So and then for the food festival things got more and then motivational speaking. You see, that's the thing. I'm I'm, I'm working for Bake with a Legend, obviously, it's fabulous. And I do speaking when whenever anybody asks me to, I'll speak. And people are interested in because it's the Bake Off and all the all the questions that people always want to ask. But more, I, I get I do get passionate about the fact that it has op- it hasn't it has opened doors for me. But I the door opened. But I pushed it wide open then, you know, I used that and it, and, and I've built confidence to do things. And, oh, there's many, many things. I, I, I love life. It's wonderful. And even now, even now in lockdown, when all the opportunities that I'd got booked in my calendar and diary for this year are now pretty much cancelled, I, I find that I can use that. For example, doing this baking for the local community and and use the tools that I have social media wise and in my paper to try to say help, but, you know, to push the message that we, we can stay strong, stay home, stay safe, be busy, get some structure in your life. All the things that I try to do. Um, Somebody said, you you should try telling people, I didn't want to be too pushy, but people said, you know, you should, you should, you've got some followers. You should, you should reach out and speak. So, so I'm, 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 I'm enjoying the bake-off even now in the situation that we find ourselves in. I think it's a credit to you. And, uh, yeah, I, I can see, and obviously we've got to know each other a little bit in re- in recent months, that you are someone that, that is, you know, very involved in, in different projects and, and very busy. And when you touch upon something motivational, I, I really take something from you because your approach to, to bake-off is different from the other former contestants I've dealt with in terms of being able to teach yourself so much in a very short space of time to get yourself to a level where not only did you get on, but you, you got through um, half the process. And then also to be proactive coming out of the show, you know, where, you know, it, it is invariably easier to be a, a Bake Off winner or a Bake Off finalist to do certain opportunities. But, but you more than most, I think, have gone about sort of finding, um, you know, such a variety of opportunities. Yeah. I think that's credit to you. And, and I, I think why you would make such a, a good motivational sort of speaker and inspiring person. Yeah, thank you. Yes, well, I've, I've enjoyed. I'm just enjoying the process and, and, and getting as much out of life as possible. And, and, and that's given me the key to do it, really. 
And yeah, it's great. It's really, really great, you know. Well, that's all from this week's podcast with Karen and myself. I really hope you did enjoy listening to her experiences and reflections about her time on the Great British Bake Off. Just a reminder, if you are interested in online events with one of our Bake Off stars, do head to bakewithalegend.com and click on the tab about online events. And if you're interested in supporting Bake With A Legend, you can, of course, purchase an apron. I'm sure a lot of our listeners are doing more baking at the moment. So if you think you could do with a new apron, head on to our website and our store and we can still get an apron out to you. Well, that's all from me. I'll be back soon interviewing another of the bakers who we work with. And until then, stay safe and we'll speak to you all soon. You just heard a stripped media production. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.